Some years ago, I heard uh, a story of a man who uh, was a penny pincher. He certainly liked to keep an eye on every, every one of his pennies. And he was a hard worker. He would hard, work very hard and he would earn all his money. But he would also spend as little as possible. I wonder if you know anyone who spends as little as possible. Well, one day before he died, he called his wife and he left some money for her. Uh, but he also gave her specific instruction uh, that the rest of all his money be put with him there in the coffin when he died. Well, his wife agreed as he was on his deathbed and she said, yes, I shall put all the money or what's remaining uh, there in the coffin. One day uh, he died and on the funeral, as the coffin was still there open, for it was an open coffin uh, service, she went forth and she took an envelope and she put it there. And one of the friends who was present while, while the husband said this to her uh, and, and who was there pre- and saw and witnessed what he had said to her, uh, went to her and said to her, uh, are you sure that you, you want to do this? Don't you want to think twice about what? No, no, no. I promised I would do that. And so I wrote him a check. And she put a check <laughs> into the coffin. Imagine that. I certainly don't know whether this story is true. uh, But I wonder how many of us um, make indeed selfish requests or requests with selfish motives. How should we deal with our self-centered impulses? Because we all have self-centered impulses. But how should we deal with those? Well, from the passage we have before us this morning, from Genesis 29, verse 31 onwards, uh, we will consider how should we deal with selfish impulses, with self-centeredness, actions or uh, desires in our heart. Uh, Today we will see how self-centered actions lead to devastation. But how when we set our hearts on the Lord, it will always lead to blessing. So we have two words before us this morning, which is one, devastation. The other word is blessing. Devastation and blessing. And I will conclude with a, with a homework for you to take home. A homework. So let us pray before we begin. Father, we come before you and we pray. that You may help us to... Have receptive hearts, receptive ears, Lord, that we may be hearers of your word, but also doers. So, Lord, that when we are exhorted from the scriptures, that you, O Lord, may use that in our lives and transform us and change us for your glory. So, Lord, we pray. Give us, Lord, a new heart. It is transformed by the power of your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. What I'd like to show you from God's word, how um, 
Leah's desires on the one hand plus Rachel's desires on the other hand keep escalating into this big, massive, gigantic mess. Two ladies with different desires but all escalating into a gigantic mess. And it all starts with God showing favour to one of them over the other. And that is okay, you know, because God gives grace and favour to whomever he gives grace and favour. The Bible tells us that God gives mercy to whom he gives mercy. And God gives grace to whom he pleases. And so uh, grace, in fact, that the word grace is an unmerited favour. An unmerited favour that we as believers receive at the expense of Jesus Christ. But that unmerited favour is not a right. Otherwise, it would be called a right. And grace is not a right. Grace is unmerited. In fact, none of us deserve God's grace. If there is something we all deserve, is God's righteous indignation. It is hell. Hell is what we deserve. But God does not give us what we deserve. That is mercy. He gives us the opposite. What we don't deserve, which is grace. And God gives grace to one of them. God shows grace to Leah. Look at verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah was the not-so-pretty and unloved wife. And God favours the not-so-pretty and weak-eyed wife. Instead of the beautiful, stunning and marvellous to look, Rachel, who was unable to bear children. Look at verse 32. And Leah conceived and bore a son and she called his name Reuben. And this is the reason for she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction. And then notice what she says next. For now... My husband will love me. She says the Lord, which is the personal name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, because the Lord has looked. And the word Reuben is to see, or it sounds like the word see in Hebrew. Looked upon my affliction. And then she explains, for now my husband will love me. Let me ask you this question. Where is Leah's heart? Look at the answer again. Where is Leah's heart? What is that she really wants? For now, my husband will love me. She is craving for the love of her husband. And as, she, as we carry on reading, we can see that she's convinced in the one hand that if she keeps having babies, suddenly her husband will love her. And the more babies she has, she's convinced that the the, the husband will now love her. But nothing, that certainly is not happening. Look, verse 33, she conceived again. 
and bore a son and said, because the Lord, that's the personal name of God, Jehovah, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this also. And she called his name Simeon, which the word Simeon sounds like the word heard. Verse 34, again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Can you see the pattern there? She's thirsting for the love of the husband. Therefore, his name was called Levi, which sounds like the word attached in the Hebrew. Here she is chasing and longing for more and more love of the husband. And the more children she has, the more she's craving the love for her husband until, look at what happens in verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord, Jehovah. This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, which sounds like the word praise. Then she ceased bearing. You see, she was chasing for love, chasing for love. And the more she was getting what she thought she would receive, she was not getting any love until one day she just was content with the next child that she got. And she said, now I will praise the Lord. Now I will praise the Lord. Finally, Leah seems to be content in the Lord. Isn't that like with us? We suddenly think that we're going to receive something and when we receive it, we're going to be happy and then we get it and we feel that maybe a bit more and then more and then more. But until we have our heart in the Lord or until we find our contentment in the Lord, we, we will be chasing things of this world over and over again like Leah, until she found her contentment in the Lord. But what about Rachel? Well, Rachel shows us how not to get God's blessing. So if you want to know how not to get God's blessing, follow the example of Rachel here in the passage. Look at chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. What was Rachel's attitude towards her sister? Anyone? Jealousy. Envy. Now, this was the, 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 the pretty one, the good-looking one, the, the one who, who, who had the love of the husband, but she wanted more. And she was envious. Why? Because she really, really wanted something. And her sister had that which she really, really wanted. And she had not what she really desired. And envy came into the picture. Setting our hearts on anything else other than God will lead to devastation. And one of the starting points of devastation is envy or jealousy. When we start craving for other things and have love for other things and then others have it and we haven't, we become envious. But my dear brothers and sisters, 
God's blessing will never come with, through envy. Will never come with envy. But not only does she envy, she starts threatening. Look at there again. Verse 1, chapter 30, verse 1. She said to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. And she launches this threat at him. If you don't give me children, I shall die. His darling, his favorite wife, the one he loved, or I shall die. And you see, my dear brothers and sisters, God's blessings will never come to us through threatening behavior. So Jacob tries to argue some sense into her. Look at verse 2. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Jacob is saying it's true, but does she listen? No, she listens not. Does she recognize that God is the one who is the giver of life? No, she's filled with envy and she seems blind to the, to the obvious. And so she starts at this stage to manipulate. What follows, my dear friends, is It's an alarm going. I don't know what, what that alarm is, whether it's in the kitchen or somewhere or outside. Oh, it's a car. What shows us, what, what comes next is what, it sh- shows us what people are capable of doing, what we are capable of doing when we don't get our way. And this is exactly what happened here in verse 3. Notice what she begins to do. Then she said, here is my servant Bilhah. Go into her so that she may give birth on my behalf. That even I may have children through her. And and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob. Sorry, I've skipped a, a, a verse four. So she gave to him her servant, Bill, has a wife. And Jacob went into her. What? No objection? No say? He just, he just did as he was told. Yes, darling, and he went on. Verse five, and Bill had conceived and bore Jacob a son. Verse six, then, Jake, then Rachel said, God has judged me. And has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan, which sounds like the word judged. Now, notice what she's doing. She's taking someone else's child and declaring it to be her own child. Now, back in the day, a practice would be that a, that a, uh, um, a slave could have, could have had children on someone else's behalf. But, but she's just taking advantage of the situation, of the circumstances and and declared that child to be hers. Verse 7. Rachel's servant Bill had conceived again. And bore Jacob a son. A second son. Then Rachel said. With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister. And now prevailed. So she called his name Nephtali. Which indeed sounds like the Hebrew word for wrestlings. Now when you thought that things couldn't get any worse. 
Leah joins in to this tittle-tattle battle. Leah returns to her old self and also brings her other servant, Zilpah, and says, now I want my husband to have Zilpah as a wife and to have more children because I'm bearing no more children. What a mess! And Jacob's silence in this matter is telling. He's, he's doing nothing. Where is his leadership? Where is the, the shepherd of the house? He's doing nothing. In other words, the ladies rule the roost. And he's just doing as he's told, carrying on without any consideration of his actions. Terrible. I remember many years ago when I came to the UK, uh, back in Essex, uh, I have a family in Essex, and I remember they, they watching regularly a program called, I'm sure you've never heard of this program, called EastEnders. I hope you don't watch EastEnders, and if you do, stop watching EastEnders. There's no really profit at all with any of that. And uh, what a mess on the screen. And exactly what a mess is going on here is worse than a soap. I mean, you, you read and you go, really? And when you thought, thought things could get worse, look at verse 9. When Leah saw that she had seized bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, Good fortune, good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Now notice the response of Leah. Leah is no longer using the name of the Lord. When previously she said, the Lord has, the Lord this, the Lord that. But here she, she's no longer. She says, good fortune has come. And she named the child, good fortune, Gad, which sounds like good fortune. Second time, verse 12, Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy I am, uh, am I. For women have called me happy. You see, again, there's no regard of God. And how does she call the child? Asher, which means happy or sounds like the Hebrew word for happy. What a terrible mess. What a terrible mess. My dear brothers and sisters, you will never receive God's blessing through envy. You will never receive God's blessings through threatening you will never receive God's blessing through manipulation. And here these two sisters manipulating the situation. But you will never receive God's blessing through manipulation. But there is more. Look at verse 14. In the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben, which would have been a, a, a young boy at that time, went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. You see, she's coming like, with a request, asking with please. Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. Now mandrakes, by the way, were these plants. They were also called love apples. These plants that were believed to have aphrodisiac properties. In other words, they were used to promote either sexual activity or to promote conception. And so Rachel sees them and says, huh, I want some of that. Why? Because she's desperate to have more children, but you won't get 
God's blessing through envy, neither through threatening, neither through manipulation, but you will not either get God's blessing through pagan practices or through mandrakes. Look at verse 15. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? You see, Rachel had now monopolized Jacob. She had now taken control of Jacob's calendar or a, or, or a diary and was, not, uh, was controlling every single of, of, of his moves because she says, you've taken away my husband. You want to take now my, my, my son's mandrakes also? Verse uh, 15b, Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah. And she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Ishakar. Verse 19. And Leah conceived again and she bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with the good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun, which sounds like the word for honor. And verse 21, afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. My dear brothers and sisters, you will never gain God's blessing through envy, through threatening, through manipulation, through pagan practices, neither from, with cunning tricks. And here we see how Rachel's activity was all filled with all of these things. Whenever we set our hearts on anything else but God, it will always lead to devastation. And here we see devastation in a family, devastation in relationships, devastation in the life of Rachel, and, and it has knock-on consequences in the life of those involved around. But let me ask you this question, my dear friend. Have you ever felt jealous for the things that someone else within the congregation has that you don't have? Have you ever felt envious of something that someone else has but you don't have? Stop. Confess. Repent and turn to the Lord. The Bible tells us that envy and jealousy are sin. And it is a serious sin. We are called to walk in light. In fact, as we saw last week, we have fellowship with one another insofar as we are walking in the light. When we are not walking in the light... We don't have fellowship with one another. This is why the Colossians tells us we ought to put off envy and jealousy. Put off that which is of the past. And so put off 
those things of the past. Throw away, put off, and put on that which is good, honouring and pleasing to God. Jealousy and envy are a serious sin. It breaks fellowship. It leads to rivalries and enmity. James chapter 4 verse 1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you do not ask, oh sorry, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend in your passions. And James's conclusion is you adulterous people. Our hearts not being in the Lord. Our hearts being on other things rather than on the Lord our God. Now let me ask you another question. Are you in the business of making threats or even shallow threats like Rachel? Give me children or I'll die. You will never receive God's blessing by threatening. How about manipulation? Are you good at the art of getting always your way? My dear brothers and sisters, you will never receive God's blessing through manipulation. Maybe resorting to pagan practices like Rachel. Rachel ended up seeking for mandrakes. Many Christians today are tempted to go down the road of doing things that are not right. Crossing boundaries like doing what is wrong in order to obtain a blessing. For example, fiddling one's expenses. Lining one's declarations in order to get more. Uh, Dodging taxes or resorting to abortion. Now you might be surprised to hear that Christians would resort to abortion, but sadly, this is is the tragic influence of the world in which we live today. No Christian should even consider resorting to to abortion. But let, let me... Let me ask you the following question. How about the the contraceptive pills? Now, some contraceptive pills contain abortive substances. Not all, but some. So let me urge you, be careful what you take. Because no believer should be resorting to any form of aborting substances. Or the day after pill. That is not something that a believer should take. Why? Because it contains abortive substances. The day after pill is that if you potentially could be pregnant, it does away with the pregnancy the very next day. No believer should resort through that. But sometimes we we are so in our mind, no, I don't want any more kids at all costs, even at the expense of another lie. That should never be the case. Or... How about IVF? In vitro fertilization. IVF is, 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 is another one that I believe no Christian should be participating in. 
Would I be Ev Das? You donate a certain amount of eggs as a woman, and the man donates the sperm. They bring them together in a lab, and they seek to fertilize several of the eggs. And then what happens is that they would only take one of the successful ones and implant it. And if it is successful, there's a child born. But what happens with the other 10 or 15 that indeed were successful? That were indeed um, fertilized? Well, some of them would be destroyed or they would be frozen for a later try. And if frozen and not used in a certain period of time, then that is destroyed. But we believe that life begins from the moment of conception. And so no believer in Jesus Christ should be going down that road. But I need a child. I really want a child. I've tried everything. No believer should be considering pagan practices like, like IBF, which leads to the killing of many Many children. Now, don't get me wrong. There's sometimes that we, we as believers really desire. But this is, this is my encouragement to you, my brother or sister. If you set your heart on the Lord 100%, you will be content whether you have 10 or whether you have none. If your heart is in the Lord 100%, you will have your contentment. In the Lord our God. Does it mean that we cannot try with the advances of science? Yes, we can. And the Lord has given man wisdom to be able to discover ways in which one can indeed have children. But there are limits in which Christians ought not to cross. Those are boundaries that we should be having very clearly defined as believers in Jesus Christ. So... Devastation on the one hand. But there's also blessing on the other hand. Setting our hearts on anything but God will always lead to devastation. Self-centered pursuits will always lead to trouble and strife. That's why the only way we will receive God's blessing is by turning our hearts away from the things of this world and turning our hearts to the triune God and worship. Just like Leah did earlier. And Leah's blessing from God went above and beyond what she could have ever imagined. The not so good and weak eyed Leah. The unloved woman became the mother of six boys and a girl. Six of the tribes of Israel. In fact... So much so was her blessing that she became the mother of all the priests of Israel. For she was the mother of Levi. And the Levites were of whom all the priests of Israel were. And it gets even, even greater the blessing she received because out of, uh, out of um, Leah, all the kings of Judah were born. For she was indeed the mother of Judah, the kings of Israel. God's blessing towards this woman was so much so that David came from the line of Leah. And not only David, but our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Her heart was content in the Lord and the Lord provided through her line a blessing to us all. 
to us all as believers. We may choose one way. Like Leah, thirsting for love. Yet God takes us the other way that we cannot escape through hard and rocky and uncomfortable places and challenges us and afflicts us for our ultimate good to lean on him who receives glory just like Leah worshipped. We will continue to worship. But how about Rachel? What about Rachel? Well, let's get back to our text, verse 15. Once again, chapter 30, verse 15. Just very briefly as we zoom in and close. I wonder if you notice Rachel's deal in verse 15. It says, He may lie with you tonight. It says, tonight, in exchange for your son's mandrakes. Now, I think that that, that, that clue is very important. She says tonight. I think it is very important that, that she's hiring him out for one night. But how is it that Leah ends up with three more children? One commentator says that Rachel appears to have given up. And I think that that is quite true. Her fertility crisis to, seems to have come to an end. It is as if Jacob's rebuke to her finally has hit home. Am I in the place of God who has withheld you from the fruit of your womb? Rachel seems at that point finally quitting. Her manipulations feature no more. Her threatenings are nowhere to be seen. Her controlling attitude, her cunning words, her trickery have ceased. No more grumbling from this point. No more moaning. No more intervention by her. But silence. And suddenly we see silence. As Leah continues to bear more children. And this suggests that there is now submission on Leah's part to God's will. And it is just at this point that verse 22 says, Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, which sounds like the Hebrew word to take away. But the, the, the Hebrew word sounds like take away, but it means may he add. And this is why she says, may the Lord, Jehovah, this is the very first time that Rachel is now using the personal name of God. May the Lord add to me another son. And all this episode like EastEnders, comes to an end. What a mess. But she now bears a child right towards the end. Now, she did bear one more child later. And as she was bearing him, as she was giving him birth, she dies. But here, nevertheless, she concludes with praising God. May the Lord add. May the Lord add. 
Finally, God's blessing comes to Rachel at the point when she gives up seeking selfish gain and she submits to God's will. By setting our hearts on anything else other than God, it will lead to devastation. But setting our hearts on God alone will always lead to blessing. So my exhortation to you, my dear brothers and sisters, this morning is set your heart on God alone. Our attitude as Christians should be one of loving, submitting to the Lord our God. But for that, we must set our hearts on the Lord alone. Rather than going in a wild goose chase for things of this world. Setting our hearts on the Lord is important. That means we need to recognise first. Confess second. Repent. And turn away from our sin towards the Lord God alone. And so with this I will conclude giving you one Piece of homework for today. I want you to memorise the catechism question. Not only for the children, but I want you as an adult to memorise also that catechism question for today. What is the sum of the Ten Commandments? The sum of the Ten Commandments is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind, and to love our neighbour as ourselves. So that is our homework. Let me encourage you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you have gone down the road of either abortion or some of the things that I've mentioned, well, praise God that you're in the Lord. Turn to him in saving faith. Repent. There is hope. Our hope is only in Christ. He is our righteousness. He is our righteousness. And there is hope even in him. So confess and turn and trust in him and move on trusting in him from now on. But memorize that passage. Love the Lord your God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Let us close with our last hymn. And then we shall close in prayer. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest, his name is love. Whoever leaves and pleads 